Book One, Chapter Three A of A Family of Noblemen by Mikhail Saltikov Shedrin, translated by Avram Yarmolinsky, eighteen ninety to nineteen seventy five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Book One, The Family Council, Chapter Three A. Meanwhile, the cause of all this mess, Simple Simon was on his way to Golovliovo. In Moscow he engaged a seat in one of the so-called diligences in which small merchants and peasant traders used to travel, and which are still seen in some districts. The diligence had the city of Vladimir as its point of destination, and Stepan was enabled to travel in it through the liberality of the aforesaid innkeeper, Ivan Mikhailich, who also paid for his master's meals on the journey listen said ivan mikhailitch with the air of an accomplice do this get off at the station and go straight up to your mother just as you are yes 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 answered stepan vladimirych approvingly the house is only about fifteen versts from there i can walk it in no time i shall appear before her all dirty and dusty when your mother sees you in that rig perhaps she'll take pity on you she will she will mother after all is a kindly old woman Stepan Golovliov was not quite forty, but he looked like fifty. Life had so thoroughly worn him out that there was not a vestige of his noble origin left, not a single trace of his university education, nor of the enlightening word of science which in days bygone had been addressed to him too. He was tall as a maypole, racked by hunger, unkempt, untidy, with a sunken chest and long bony arms his bloated face his dishevelled hair streaked with grey his loud hoarse voice his bulging bloodshot eyes were unmistakable signs of heavy drinking and a weather-beaten life he wore an old threadbare uniform with the galloons gone they had been sold to a smelter and a pair of reddish boots patched and sadly worn beneath his coat when unbuttoned peeped a dirty shirt as black as if it had been smeared with soot with the cynicism of a militiaman he called it a flea-nest his glance was stealthy and gloomy the expression not of inner discontent but rather of a vague anxiety which seemed to come from an ever-present fear of death by starvation he talked ceaselessly and disconnectedly passing without transition from one subject to another he spoke whether ivan mikhailitch listened or dozed off under the soporific of his garrulousness he was dreadfully uncomfortable because there were four people in the diligence and he had to sit with his legs bent so that at the end of three or four verse he had an intolerable pain in his knee joints nevertheless the pain did not prevent him from talking clouds of dust entered through the side windows of the vehicle at times flooded by a flaming scorching sheet of sunlight but stepan golovliov kept on talking yes brother he held forth i have lived hard all my life it is high time to rest i shan't be eating her out of house and home shall i she has enough and to spare what do you think ivan mikhailitch oh your mother has plenty to eat yes but not for me you mean to say yes friend she has heaps of money but not a copper for me and to think the hag has always hated me why but now i'll sing her a different song i've made up my mind i'm desperate if she tries to drive me out i won't go if she doesn't give me food i'll take it i've served my country brother now it's everyone's duty to help me 
There's only one thing I'm afraid of, that she won't give me tobacco. Yes, you'll have to say goodbye to tobacco. Then I'll put the screw on the bailiff. The devil can well afford to give his master a present now and then. Oh, yes, he may do that. But what if your mother forbids him to? Well, in that case, I'll be done for. Tobacco is the only luxury that has remained of my former style. When I had money, I used to smoke not less than a quarter of a pound of Zhukov's tobacco every day. I guess you'll have to do without brandy, too. Another calamity. Brandy does me a lot of good. It breaks up my phlegm. When we were marching to Sebastopol, we had hardly reached Serpikov when each man had already been given three gallons of brandy. You must have lost your senses. I don't remember. We marched as far as Kharkov, but I'll be hanged if I remember anything else. The only thing I can recall is that we passed through villages and towns, and that at Tula, an Otkupchik made a speech. He shed tears, the scoundrel did. Yes, our holy mother Russia drank from the cup of sorrow in those days. Opkuchtiki, contractors, receivers, it's a wonder God succeeded in saving the country from them. Oh, your mother came in for some of the prophets. In our village, hardly half of the soldiers returned home. A recruit's receipt is now given for each man lost in the campaign, and government rates such acquittance at more than 400 rubles. Yes, my mater is a cunning blade. She ought to be a minister of state instead of housekeeper at Golovliovo. Let me tell you, she has been unjust to me and she has insulted me. But I respect her. The main thing is, she's clever as the devil. If not for her, where would we have been now? We would have had nothing but Golovliovo with its one hundred and one and a half souls. Just think what an enormous pile she has made. Well, your brothers will certainly be rich. Yes, but I'll have nothing, that's just as certain. Yes, friend, I've gone to rack and ruin. But my brothers, they'll be rich, especially the bloodsucker. He can ensnare a person in no time, and it won't be long before he'll undo her, too. He'll pump the estate and the money out of her. I have an eye for these things. But Pavel, he's a fine chap. He will send my tobacco on the sly. You'll see if he doesn't. As soon as I reach Golovliovo, I'll send a note off to him. Dear brother, it's so and so with me. Ease my soul. Ah, oh, if I were rich. What would you do? In the first place, I'd make you roll in wealth. Why me? First think of yourself. I'm contented, living as I do under your mother's rule. Oh, no, brother. Attendez. I would make you the chief marshal of all my estates. Yes, my dear friend. You have fed and warmed a soldier. Accept my thanks. If not for your generosity, I should now be footing it all the way to the home of my father's. And, of course, I would free you on the spot and open up all my treasury to you. Drink, eat, and be merry. What did you think I would do? You'd better stop worrying about me, sir. What else would you do if you were rich? In the second place, I'd get a mistress at once. At Kursk I went to mass once and saw one, a queen. She was very fidgety and restless but maybe she would object to becoming your mistress. And how about hard cash? What's the filthy lucre for? If a hundred thousand is not enough for her, she'll take two hundred thousand. If a hundred thousand is not enough for her, she'll take two hundred thousand. When I have money, no expense is too great for me, if it is a question of getting a bit of pleasure out of life. I must confess that at the time I let her know through our corporal that I would give her three rubles, but the wench asked five. Oh, that was too much for you, of course. Well, I can't tell. As I said, I was in a dream the whole time. 
maybe she came to me but i forget those two months of marching have gone completely out of my mind no such thing has happened to you i suppose ivan mikhailych was silent stepan vladimirych looked at him attentively and discovered that his fellow traveller was sound asleep Oomph, he said he has nodded off the sleepy head you have grown fat brother on the tea and fare of your eating-house i can't sleep not a wink a good chance for a lark golovliov looked around and saw that everybody was asleep the merchant at his side was constantly striking his head against a cross-beam but kept on sleeping his face shone as if veneered and flies swarmed about his mouth a splendid idea stepan thought to cram all the flies down the merchant's throat his hand began to move toward the merchant but halfway he repented and gave up the idea no more pranks he said enough sleep friends and rest meanwhile where had he hidden the bottle here the darling let me see you lord save thy creatures he hummed taking out a bottle from a bag fastened to the side of the vehicle and applying it to his mouth ah that's better it warms your insides you know shall i have some more well no the station is about twenty versts from here i'll have time to get as drunk as a lord but shan't i have just one drop more the deuce take it the vodka the bottle simply acts like a charm it's wicked to drink but how can you help it if it is the only way of getting some sleep i wish the vodka the deuce take it would do for me quick he gulped down some more vodka returned the bottle to its place and began to fill his pipe we are all right he said talking to himself first we had a sip and here we are smoking she won't let me have any tobacco the old hag sure as fate she won't the man is right will she give me food she may send me what is left over from her meals well we too had money but now we have none such is life today you eat and drink your fill you enjoy yourself and smoke a pipe and tomorrow where art thou man still it would not be a bad thing to have a bite now i drink like a fish and i hardly ever have a square meal doctors say drinking does you good only when followed by a hearty meal as the most reverend smarag said when we passed through oboyan was it oboyan the deuce knows it may have been chromie but that's immaterial now the main question is how to get something to eat i recollect that my man put a sausage in three rolls into the bag caviar is too expensive for the rascal look at the fellow sleeps like a log and sings through his nose i wouldn't be surprised if he were sitting on the bag he rummaged about in search of the bag but could not find it ivan mikhailych ivan mikhailych he shouted to the sleeping innkeeper the man woke up and for a while could not make out where he was and how he happened to be sitting opposite his master i was just beginning to nap he said finally sleep friend sleep i only want to know where the bag with the food is are you hungry but you would like a drink first i suppose right where is the bottle stepan vladimirych took a drink and then attacked the sausage which happened to be as salty as salt itself and as hard as stone so that he had to use the point of his knife to pierce it some white fish would taste good now he remarked oh excuse me sir i clean forgot about the white fish all morning i kept saying to my wife be sure to remind me of the white fish i am very sorry oh it doesn't matter the sausage is good enough for me when we were on the campaign we ate worse things father used to tell that two englishmen made a bet one of them was to eat a dead cat and he ate it you don't say he did and he was as sick as a dog afterwards 
he cured himself with rum he guzzled two bottles as fast as he could and that set him right at once another englishman made a bet that he would live a whole year on nothing but sugar did he win no he kicked the bucket two days before the end of the year and how about you why don't you take a drink oh i never touch it so you swill nothing but tea no good brother that's why your belly has grown so big one must be careful with tea a cup of tea must be followed by a glass of vodka tea gathers phlegm vodka breaks it up isn't that so well i don't know you are learned you know better true on the campaign we had no time to bother with tea or coffee but vodka that's a holy affair you unscrew the flask pour the vodka into a cup drink and that's all at that time we had to march so fast that for ten days i went without washing you certainly roughed it sir yes marching on the high road is not a joke still on our way forward it was not so bad people gave us money and there was plenty to eat and drink but when we marched back there was no more fetting golovliov gnawed at the sausage and finally chewed up a piece it is very salty this sausage is he said but i'm not squeamish after all mother won't feed me on tidbits a plate of cabbage soup and some gruel that's all she'll let me have god is merciful maybe she'll give you pie on holidays no i imagine there'll be no tea no tobacco no vodka people say she has become fond of playing fool so she may call me in to take a hand at the game and give me some tea as for the rest there is no hope there was a four-hour rest to feed the horses golovliov had finished the bottle and was tormented by hunger the travellers entered the inn and settled down to a hearty meal stepan vladimirych took a stroll in the court paid a visit to the backyard the stables and the dovecote and even tried to sleep finally he came to the conclusion that the best thing for him to do was to join his fellow travellers in the inn there the cabbage soup was already steaming and on a wooden tray on the sideboard lay a great chunk of beef which ivan mikhailych was just then engaged in carving golovliov seated himself a little way from the table lighted his pipe and sat silent for quite a while pondering over the way in which he could allay the pangs of hunger i wish you a good appetite gentlemen he said finally the soup seems to be good and rich the soup is all right answered ivan mikhailych why don't you order a portion for yourself oh it was only a remark on my part i'm not hungry impossible all you've eaten is a bit of sausage and the damned thing only teases one's appetite please eat something i'll have a separate table laid for you my dear woman he turned to the hostess a place for the gentleman the passengers silently attacked their meal and now and then exchanged meaningful looks golovliov felt his fellow-travellers suspected how matters stood although he had played master throughout the journey not without some arrogance and had addressed the faithful innkeeper as if he had merely entrusted him with his cash his brows knitted and a thick cloud of smoke escaped from his mouth in the depths of his heart he felt he ought to refuse but so imperative are the dictates of hunger that he set upon the bowl of cabbage soup like a beast of prey and emptied it in a trice along with satiety came his customary self-assurance and as if nothing were the matter he said turning to ivan mikhailych well my cashier you will pay up for me and i am off for the hayloft to have a talk with mr kropovitsky he jogged over to the hayloft and as his stomach was full he was soon fast asleep he woke up at five o'clock in the morning 
noticing that the horses stood at their empty bins rubbing their noses against the edges he roused the driver he sleeps like a top the rascal he shouted we're in a hurry and he's having pleasant dreams end of book one chapter three a recording by expatriate in bangor maine